Good morning, Connect Church. Would you stand with me this Father's Day? First off, before we do anything else, happy Father's Day to each and every father in this room, whether you are biological father, adoptive father, spiritual father, father figure, does not matter. You are a father all of the same. And we are grateful to, that you are with us this Sunday in this house, celebrating our father, our heavenly father, the father who showed us how to be a father to others. I was driving in this morning, um, and I was thinking about Father's Day, and you know, the, the normal thing if you have a, if you are privileged enough to have a loving, healthy relationship with your father is that you've probably asked him, you know, dad, what do you want to do today? Um, and I realized that I don't ask God that question on Father's Day. And so I was driving in and I said, okay, well, you are my heavenly father. I should probably be asking you this. What do you want to do today? Like, how would you want to spend your Father's Day? And his answer was very simple, is that I want to be with my family. I always think of God as a very family-centric man. I think a couple weeks ago, um, for uh, Pentecost, I was talking about like the upper room was not just a moment to exert power, but for God to show up and be and dwell with his people. And I think God wants to show himself as a father this morning and dwell with his family today. And I know that could be hard for some of us because not every relationship with a father uh, is healthy. A lot of, most, all of them are not perfect because we are not perfect people. Um, but I think if we allow ourselves to wake up our souls, to tell our hearts, our spirits, our souls, this is Father's Day, and I'm going to worship my father, no matter what my relationship with my physical, earthly father looks like. There is a good father, and I want to be a good child today, because this is a family house, and there is a man who deserves our praise today. There is a father that shows us how to be a father, even if my father didn't. Um, didn't follow in that example, which thank goodness mine did, obviously. Um, but I hope that you feel amongst family today. And I hope that even if this day is difficult for you or bittersweet, uh, that there is a joy rising up and stirring up inside of you and that it does continue to do so in the midst of worship. Because there is a joy not only in having a father, but in being called a son, a daughter, a child. There's a very popular... Uh, trope in the writing world right now called found family, which is when maybe you come from a very broken family, but you find one that is maybe not related to you, but is just as intimate and powerful. That is what this place, that is what church, that is what the body of Christ is, a found family. We're not all related by blood, but we are bound together and united by God, who is the ultimate, the best father we could ask for. So let's dwell on that as we continue to lift him high this morning. Alrighty? Tom, let's get it off. You are you are There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray. When he hears praises, he hears faith. You hear our hearts call up, so we lift them up to the throne room to our Father. Awake, my soul, and sing, sing his praise aloud. Sing His praise aloud. Oh, my soul and sing, sing His praise aloud. 
sing his praise Changes things, the sound of his people on their knees. Oh, wake up, you slumbering. It's time to worship him. Awake, my soul, and sing, sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. And when he rose, and when we pray, Western wall now stands away. Where every promise is a good, so be it. And when he knows, make no mistake, your vows of hell begin to sing. Oh, hell, Lord, oh, hell, again. Oh, oh, let the King of glory enter. Father's Day. Today is a day that we honor Juneteenth. And it's a little different right now because I know that we're used to doing a couple songs, then we greet everybody, and then we sit down. And actually, we can just cut that. We can just bring that music. Thank you so much, Tom. And, and today is just going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm going to be sharing with you today. Uh, a lot of our guys are... Um, praising the Lord on the F1 tr track. <laughs> but I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that the Spirit of God is in this room. He truly is a part of God. It's not just this one-off that we don't really understand. It's the Spirit of God that is in this place. And I just want to acknowledge that, because sometimes we're just so fast to move through life that we forget to acknowledge that the Spirit of God 
is in this place. So let's just take a moment. There's a work that only you can do, Spirit of God. There is understanding that you can only bring, Spirit of God. There is wisdom and comfort and counsel and advocacy and intercessory. It can only come from the Spirit of God. And I pray, Father, that in these next few minutes, we recognize the portion of you that you desire for us to know better. God, I pray that you would help me find language and clarity to, un to explain the things that sometimes only deep unto deep speaks. I pray, God, that it would find its way above the water today and that I would be able to echo who you are into the hearts that receive you so well today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so we're gonna have the team take a seat and then we're going to worship at the end a little bit, just in response. I was telling, um, I was telling the team today that, and I've actually been telling the team, I've been telling different people that um, today is a kind of a beautiful day because we get to honor both Juneteenth and Father's Day. And I've been saying to them that there are times that we just took, like just now, for silences. And to the white American church, that can feel dangerous because we are used to filling in gaps. We are used to speaking into absences. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Somebody's in charge. We know where we're going. See, we have too many black people in this room right now because you're not saying amen because you understand that that is insane what I just said. Because what I've been telling them is that there is a beautiful thing that happens when a church allows the, beautiful, the beauty of the black voice to come to the surface. Don't try to box out and feel like, oh, I have to make a a, a, an order of service. But really hear the voice of God through the people of God in the room. And there are times when we are quiet enough in this room where the Spirit of God begins to speak through his people. And it doesn't sound like I sound. And we understand that this is okay to say, right? Thank you, yes. 
These are the things that we need to understand because I don't carry all of Jesus in me. There are parts of the Spirit of God that you carry that I do not, that I need to be exposed to. And if there's not space for that, and if there's not an embracing of that, then it doesn't happen. And guess what happens ultimately? I don't get to know that side of God. I don't get to hear what God sounds like through you. It's different. And so today, I find it so beautiful that although I'm honored to be speaking on Father's Day, that for me is a greater honor because you allow this house to have different voices and you allow this house to have different sounds and you allow this house to take space so that there is flow, so that there is the voice of God, not the voice of the church represented in service. You hear the, the difference that I'm making there, the differentiation, and it's a good thing for us to understand. And it's something that we need to grow in understanding more because we are less than without all of us. And I was thinking about, in, order, in, uh, in honoring of my own dad, um, two of the greatest things that my dad did for me was he led me to the Lord, he met the Lord, he came home, and he told me about the Lord. Um, I have my phone in here for a reason, not because I forgot to take my phone out. And then, not knowing much other than salvation, he found a church that preached the word of God. And he put us in the middle of it. And that church happened to embrace the Holy Spirit. And they didn't do it weirdly. They didn't do it oddly. They didn't do it as if you had to be special to talk to them, to be a part of them. You didn't need a title. You didn't need to come from a certain place. You didn't need a certain amount of schooling. He was just there. And I loved that because I never learned what a lot of people learn, which is it's like God the Father, ah, right? Because like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed got that. Okay, Jesus, well, he came down here, so he was fully God, but he was fully man, so he knows how difficult this is. And then we have like the Holy Spirit. And if we don't understand that Jesus intended for our relationship with the Holy Spirit to be a relationship of accessibility, that portion of our walk with God will go dormant. And it's not because he has been evasive. It's not because he's been confusing. It's not because he's been diluted. It's because sometimes you have to put a little bit more effort into knowing certain sides of a person. Right? Because I feel like the cross, God, God and Jesus are probably like, we're good. You, you, you can know us. If you look at the cross, you can know us. But the Holy Spirit was always there, making the cross possible. But then God did something incredible. He chose to 
send the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to come in his stead once he went back up to be with God. This is how significant he believed the Holy Spirit to be. There will be no lack when I step here and he steps in. And he understood that this was to be a relationship of accessibility. And a lot of times, and we're going to read John 14, 25, and 26, but a lot of times we understand our relationships, particularly about our relationship of accessibility from our vantage point. What can I access about you so that I can gain something from it? Now, we don't all walk around saying that or even being aware of that, but it's oftentimes what we do. And we don't mind someone getting a little something from us, but we really are gauging who can help us move forward in our life, even if it's in a really good area. You know what I'm saying? Like, we still are always saying, well, that person has a lot of uh, wisdom. That person has a lot of understanding. They are very learned in that particular area. I wonder if they wouldn't mind spending some time with me and talking to me. These are not bad things. But it's kind of how we orbit around people. And so it's no surprise that we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. And we try to understand him from who he can be to me. And how that always translates because of our humanity is what can I get from him? So there has to be a reason that Jesus sent him. So let us hear this morning what Jesus had to say about him. So in John 14, and I'm going to read it from the screen because um, my eyeballs cannot read these ginormous cards. All right, so this is Jesus. He's about to endure the steps toward the cross, being all of that is, that is to come with being arrested, and all of that is about to happen, and he's telling them that he's not going to be with them much longer. He's not going to be talking with them much longer. And, and Jesus knew beginning from the end. Just remember, so when he says words that he knows are going to be his final words before the cross with his beloved groups of people, these are things that matter to him, right? If you knew that this was the moment where your last words were going to be given an opportunity to be spoken, you wouldn't be talking about how great the pizza was at the corner place where you used to go when you were growing up. You're going to say things that matter, that are important. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He, says, he tells them that he's going to be leaving them, and he says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, it's capitalized, the helper, John 14, 25, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have told you. But he starts it like that. But the helper, capital H, God determines to tell us that this is one of his names. So what this tells me is that the access in this accessibility relationship needs to go two ways. I don't just need to get something from him. He actually desires to have access to me. 
Now, is it the stuff that he can offer me that wants access, or is it the person of God that wants access to me? See, somebody can offer help, or someone can determine to be called the helper. Anybody can help, but if you, if you call yourself the helper, everybody that knows you is going to look to you for help. No, no one forced God to call him, say he's going to be counselor. He could have just said, he knows some stuff. If you need some advice, he's going to have some for you. He said, counselor, through your shoulder-to-shoulder and forge groups, I'm going to send 21 scriptures that talk to you, and it's not, extens- it's not exhaustive in any way, of just, just 21 different names that God decided to tell us embodied the Holy Spirit. So when you call yourself the advocate, if you needed someone to advocate for you, would you go to somebody who's advocated for someone before? Or would you go to the advocate? It's like, this is the person that gets the stuff done. But remember our humanity, because we immediately connect over what we can get instead of immediately connect over who he is. So, why does this matter? Because Jesus intended to put the Holy Spirit as the gatekeeper at the threshold of our life because he knew only the God of the Spirit of God could guard that kind of threshold perfectly. And a lot of times, we, with our understanding, with our reasoning, with our great approach, with our background, with our pedigree, with our education, whatever it is, we attempt to understand what something is. And should it be allowed into our life or not? Is this something that God has sent Or is this something that the enemy has sent? Is this something I'm supposed to be involved in? Or is this something I'm not supposed to be involved in? And we recognize that something needs an answer, and we go inward. Or a lot of times we'll go like this, Dear Lord, help. I don't know what to do, and I need some comfort in the middle of it. Send me your way, amen. But the Spirit of God all the time is like, I'm right here. And I can give you more than the answer to your prayer. If we start to close the gap between the two of us, you're going to understand that what it is to be counselor. You are going to understand the depths of me. So that every time you're in a scenario, you don't need me to give you every inch of information. You can take a situation and recall, because the Spirit of God is the one who's reminding us of everything that Jesus has said, and you can look at that and figure out, is that me? And here's the beautiful thing about God. And don't take what I'm about to say and twist it, because I will come for you, because I'm very careful with this. But that does not mean that you can just be like, 
Well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. God knows my heart. Here we go. He'll clean it up. He works all things to get. We start quoting scriptures wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is when we are in a life scenario and we need to understand, God, what are you doing? He cares about us communing with him in that moment more than he cares about us being perfect in the moment. Because God understands he is big enough to forgive us when we repent and make that right quickly. And as my father has always called them, help us make in-flight adjustments. So do you hear what I'm not? I'm not saying take advantage of grace and just go have your life. Because I will be the first person to tell you that is not what the word says. But what the word does say is, I've called myself redeemer. It would be really awesome if you gave me a chance to do that more than just once so that you can go to heaven. Because we feel like, okay, I can't get to heaven. I mean, I can't get to heaven on my own. So I will, I'll let him be redeemer for that. But everything else, I feel the onus on me to like get it right and do it right and hear it right and not misstep and what if I mess this up? So I'm not really talking to the people who just slap Jesus's name on life like a bumper sticker and just keep it going. I'm talking to the people who really want to please God. But we get lost in figuring out how do we do that because we're not cultivating a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're talking to God, that's great. We're praying, good. We're trying to read the word, awesome. But the scripture, and that's why I'm just staying with this one scripture. The scripture told us, Jesus said, that it's the spirit of God that will bring remembrance to us. Not just all the things that Jesus said, but how he said them. His intention behind it. Why did he tell us those things? So that we would have extra law to follow? So that we would have more rules? There are boundaries that God puts around our lives so that our lives can be pleasing unto the Lord. But that's not why he did it. He did it because he knows us. And he knows what we need. And he knows himself. And he's okay, church. The Spirit of God is okay with needing to forgive often. You know, sometimes we're like, here I am again, God. I, I mean, how, how can I say I'm sorry one more time for this? And we get lost in the shame. Shame, it's so distracting, church. Because it doesn't sound anything like God. It sounds a lot like Christians. These are the, these are the, good, these are the good church people today. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Christians. If we're not willing to talk about the problems inside of the church, don't start talking about the problems outside the church. Okay, so that's what we do. But when someone is in peril... We should not be talking to them about anything but redemption. Forgiveness, repentance, all a part of it. It doesn't mean that your life has to be upside down. It can just be like, wow, I haven't really 
talked to God in a while, and my life just got skewed. It's like just a couple degrees off, and it's like over there. Repentance, it needs to be just made, it needs to be normalized. Not common, not common, but normal, because that's what keeps the closeness of proximity around us. I have no idea. I don't even know. Okay. Here's the tougher part. Jesus has set it up so that the Holy Spirit, when he's, at that, when he's guarding that threshold for us, he's the one that has the right to call something sacred, something special, and something sin. And this is where we really get confused. And I think it's because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit not being as tight as it can be. That's why we're talking about this today. Because time and time again, if I'm talking to somebody and something in their life is imploding and we, they spend enough time trying to give me the snapshots, I realize that oftentimes they're holding on to something, whether it's a belief system, whether it's the insistence of a particular relationship, a political view, whatever it is, and they're holding on to it as if it is sacred, as if they are right, as if this is truth. And sometimes God simply calls something special. Yes, I know that's meaningful to you. I understand that is very sentimental to you. I get it, that's near to your heart. But I don't call it sacred. So the thing that you're going to the wall for sometimes and making it a deal breaker, sometimes God is like, you are so not talking about what I call holy. Another thing that I've talked, mentioned to us in the church is that the church has begun to do this thing, and I say begun, which is not accurate because when I went to school they made me study church history <laughs> and it's nothing new, but boy does it seem more prominent than ever. And maybe with social media and the reach of um, stretching a certain false belief system is really more rampant than ever, but the church has started to do things like say something's a mistake or something was a misstep or a bad decision or a poor choice instead of calling it sin. And I don't understand any longer why we are afraid to call something what God calls it because he has already made a provision for it because he is forgiveness, he is redemption, he is redeemer, he is restorer. So when I say, no, nah, that's just, I just made a mistake. What I am really saying is, I don't need your restoration. I don't need your redemption. I don't need your forgiveness. I'm good. Just help me when I pray that whack prayer to just get me in line and clean up my life. And he's saying, but that was sin. I, I don't overlook sin. I made a provision for it. Talk to me about it. Because the more we talk about it, the proximity, the gap 
It closes because the Holy Spirit is the gatekeeper at that gap. And he is saying, yeah, that's it. Talk about this to him. Talk about this to him. We spend so much time talking to it, talking about it inside, to our mind, to the enemy, and to the wrong people. And again, I'm talking about business inside of the church. And if this is one of your first times to church, I just want you to understand. The church, this church, understands it doesn't have it all together. And this is why we have to talk about health. And this is why we have to talk about things like the Holy Spirit. Because this is the only way we are going to be purified. It's not going to be by doing better. It's going to be about being better. And being better is being more like him. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is as sovereign as God and Jesus. When I love, I don't know why, but I love all things British. I always have. I don't know why, but I just happen to love all things British. If Kyle was here right now, he'd probably be shouting something negative at me. But I've learned a lot, and particularly when the Queen passed away, I learned a lot about what is called the Royal Standard Flag. There's a Royal Standard Flag, and it's made up of, it represents England and Ireland and Scotland. And this is very simple. Wherever the sovereign resides, that flag goes up. So now we have King Charles. So if King Charles is in Buckingham Palace, the Royal Standard Flag goes up. If he gets on an aircraft, the Royal Standard flag goes up. If he gets on a watercraft, the Royal Standard goes up. Wherever the sovereign is, that flag goes up. And amazingly, that even when a sovereign passes away, the Royal Standard flag never is flown at half mass because there always is a sovereign on the throne. Always. So even if you go to Buckingham Palace to visit it and King Charles isn't there, what's being flown above is the Union Jack. But if King Charles comes back, they take that down, they put the royal standard up. Why am I talking about this? Because, church, we have this so twisted. The sovereign determines the space that is holy. But we walk through our lives with these little flags, and we stick them in relationships, in political views, in racial bias, and in this and that and the other thing, and we call it holy but the sovereign has left the building. And we never seem to run out of these flags. Every time something comes to maybe challenge it, we stake a flag in the ground. Sometimes we think we are out of flags. I can't fight for one more thing. I'm exhausted. I just want to be at peace. And then someone says something, you're like, this come out of nowhere because they're a part of us. Because at some point, we made an agreement that that's sacred. Don't talk to me that that could be wrong. Don't talk to me that that could be special. It's right. 
Maybe it's just special. Does the Holy Spirit, the gatekeeper over the threshold, have enough access to you to relabel things? To tell you, that was great, that wasn't great. It's this, I'm here. Or are we gonna just stand for the rest of our lives with this little handful of flags? trying to tell everyone else what's right and what's holy. And I'm always grateful when I can go to the Word and see that Jesus did something first. In Matthew 3, we see that Jesus goes before John the Baptist and he asks to be baptized. Just, the, just that sentence sounds nuts to me. The God of heaven allowed a human to baptize him. Humble, yielded, surrendered at the threshold. And he's baptized, and we know that, and I won't, and we've seen art of it, and we've seen people and preachers tried to articulate it, but we don't really know what it was like, but we know it was something. The, the sky opening up, and the Spirit of God comes. And it's visible testimony to everyone. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved. I'm whom and well, I'm, in whom I'm well pleased. And you think, oh my gosh, can you imagine if you had that moment and God was like, this is my beloved daughter and whom I am well pleased. I feel like you'd walk through the rest of my life. Like, remember the thing when the sky opened? And, and the next chapter says... The Spirit, same Spirit, chapter 3, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And then, just in case you were thinking that was easy, he says, now he didn't eat for 40 days. And then the temptation began. Let me just explain something to you. If you don't feed most of us for 40 days... That is the temptation. That's it. What do, you, what do I have that I can give to you for the nourishment? But he was depleted. And then the enemy came to tempt. We read it so beautifully. It's like literature. Oh, yes. And Jesus withstood. Fully God, fully man. If Jesus couldn't have sinned, what's the big deal? Right? He could have called down angels and food, but he didn't. Could he have questioned what is going on? You just caused that whole show, that whole spectacle. Everybody knows I'm special now. And that same spirit, you're just leading me right into this. Or do we consider what the purpose of it was? Like, why did the timing of that even happen? Because if you think about it, God, in his wonderful fatherly love, knew what we would need to know and what Jesus would need in that framework. I'm going to give you everything you need in me, and then it's going to get really hard. 
and we're left with the question, is the wilderness sacred? Is the wilderness sacred? Because when we talk about that scripture, we usually talk about the enemy a lot. And the schemes that he had and the things that he threw at Jesus. And I don't really usually hear the church talk about the fact that, well, have we landed on if the wilderness was sacred or not? Why does it matter? Because the Holy Spirit retains the right to say what is sin, what is special, and what is sacred. Because what is sacred changes your life. What is sacred should change the trajectory of how you're living. What is sacred should change you as a human being. What is sacred should make us repentant. What is, what is sacred should make us yearn to know more. And I, I actually didn't know, honestly, the answer. And, and I, I was talking to God in my heart, and God was like, doing the thing that I do with Kyle. Sometimes when we're trying to really get down to knowing, like, what are we to do? I'll say to him, we got to clear the room, meaning in our minds. Clear the room for five minutes. Just give ourselves permission. Don't try to, you know, be careful of this one or protect that thing or just, just clear the room and try to see the elements as God is seeing them. What do we see? Let's do that with this. Clear the room. The Spirit of God in Matthew 3 made himself known, publicly sure, but definitely to Jesus. He knew that that Spirit of God could lead him into the wilderness and be trusted. So as Jesus is in the wilderness in lack, he is with the Holy Spirit. Is that sacred? Yes. Is he still in lack? Yes. Then the enemy comes and temptations begin to be thrown at Jesus. But the Spirit of God is still with him. Is it sacred? Is the evil one sacred? No. Is the lack that is supposed to be in fullness? Is that Sacred? No. But is Jesus with the Holy Spirit in the wilderness still sacred? And the reason that this matters is because all of us have our wildernesses. And we are trying to figure out what's wrong, what's right, what am I supposed to fix, what am I supposed to tell God he's supposed to do, and we don't even sometimes have the framework correct, church, because we're so busy asking for help instead of talking with the helper to get to know his heartbeat on something. And there are going to be times where he's going to be like, you don't need to know X, Y, and Z. But I'm building trust with you. So I'm going to let you make these steps and if when you make this step, you feel, mm, don't call it special. Don't call it sacred. Just say, okay, got it. That wasn't you. Thank you, Jesus. If you sinned, repent. 
Like, I'm trying to make this as simple as God did because we get so lost in condemnation that it just wreaks fear in us. Like, I don't want to do it wrong again. I don't want to do this wrong again. I don't want to be displeasing to him. I want to make sure that I'm still a testimony. I want, don't want to throw anybody off. Of, that is all for Jesus to worry about. My job is to keep moving from being a basic believer to a disciple. And when people look at me, they're going to see this. That right there is what life looks like until we're in heaven. Okay? The sky didn't fall down. The world didn't just end. It is what it is. But we're like this. Call it sacred. Call this sacred. Call it sacred. Call it holy. It's mine in Jesus' name. Right here, God. And everyone's just like, she needs to work on her relationship with God. That's when you say it. Not when you see someone earnestly trying to follow the Lord. Earnestly trying to follow the Lord. The last thing I want to highlight today is what Jesus did. He said in that one scripture that we drilled down on today, that the Holy Spirit will help you to remember the word. Remember the word. The Jesus that you heard it come from. Remember. Recall it. Retain it. Hold it. Don't throw it at situations that I call sin or special and say it's sacred. Bring the word into you. The Holy Spirit will help you understand it. And you may have read it a certain way for a really long time. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, I was so wrong. Don't make it right, church. We've been doing this as a church. We've had to repent for so much that we thought Jesus said church had to be. And we were wrong. And we repented. And we repented publicly. And you've seen us pivot that's a nice way to say it. But if we were concerned about retaining face, we would have never done any of that stuff. But it's the same way with us. Like, who am I trying to look good for? No, nobody thinks that looks good. Everybody understands. So let us make it okay that that's what we all look like. And if the word convicts us, embrace it. If you hear it among community, and they're like, I believe something for so long, and I read it now with the Holy Spirit, and I am understanding it differently, embrace it, encourage that person. If God is freeing you from something that was wrong, go strongly into that. You don't have to, there's nothing to preserve. We have to be open to be the people at the front of the line leading not just change, leading repentance. Like, 
Change only matters if you've repented first. In everything, church, whether you have a, a racial thing to work out, a political thing to work out, a, relation, a, a relational thing to work whatever you have to work out, don't just start trying to change. Don't just start trying to change. Repent first. Because the Holy Spirit comes so closely that he helps us with that change. Because we're reflecting him, not trying to do the right thing. The doing the right thing or doing the right thing the right way. We have like notebooks filled that don't go to heaven. Like tallies that just are going to burn. But what matters is that I try... Did I try to really, did I truly, truly try to give my heart away to you? Like, I took it back so many times, but was this my goal? And when I did this and took it back, did I ask you to forgive me? And did you come close to me and remind me and show me who you are? Like, did I keep it up for grabs? Because an open hand is sacred. And he can be trusted with that. I want to close by reading something. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not. But it's words from someone that I love very much. And I don't think that they were just ever really meant for me. And this is one of the last letters that Sharon wrote to my family when we were going through something. And I pray that I can do justice to how she would have conveyed it. She said, I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. They're pretty quote-unquote famous scriptures that you've heard and you've preached on a dozen times, but may we never forget how true our Bibles are, and how the truth of heaven, our home, trumps anything that we have going on here on this fun yet subpar earth. So when you read these scriptures, remember how true they are. And she said in big letters, as she typed often, put your full faith in them and wave your little flag and remember how lowly we humans are. And then she quoted this, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this is what she said. So whenever possible, dig deep in your soul and conjure up the deep love that you have for our God. We love him more than anything. It is a love that we can't put into words and no earthly expression of love, not our worshiping, our giving, our praising, our serving, can fully and completely express this love that we have. 
It is a love that can never be taken away, and no matter what happens around us, we have joy in our heart because of the simple fact that God exists. So may the love we have for him be so strong that it creates a lasting sense of joy no matter what. And may that joy be our strength. So when your mind wanders and questions and it becomes fearful, stop. Focus on how much love and how much love you have for him. And that will fill you with joy and you shall be strong. And then as Sharon can only say, she said this. Trials are a privilege. People should be jealous of us for these great trials that we must endure. Suffering is humbling, and it can be a very holy thing to experience if you let it. So I will be praying that the joy of the Lord will be your strength through it all, and that you will be mature and complete and not lacking anything. That's what life sounds like. Lived close to the veil and also to the Spirit of God. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. God, I thank you for the testament of Sharon's life and of the word that you reminded us today through her words is priceless and that we can't understand it without you. The Holy Spirit, he's meant to explain the unexplainable things to us. And so, God, I pray for people in this room who want to open their grip to let the Spirit of God have access quickly. God, I understand that this sort of thing, it's not easy for us humans we snatch things back so quickly. But God, I thank you that you strengthen our hands to open. And I pray, Father, that there would be an awareness in people right now that they would feel you helping them to loosen their grip on the things that they may have called sacred or things that they thought they had to hold on to or make work or make happen that you weren't calling sacred. And I pray, Father, that you would begin to really help us all have a definitive understanding of holiness. That we would hunger and thirst for it. And God, I pray with everyone in this room right now, because there are people that are on so many different places of their journey. Some people are journeying deep into years with you, and some, this is their first moment even hearing you. 
And so, God, we as a church, we want to get behind them, people who want to make the Lord their Savior, as they heard about today, people who want to give their life into those hands that love them. We as a church today, Father, we pray in support and behind them by saying, Dear Lord Jesus, here we are today. We trust you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for redemption. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sins. And I ask you and you alone to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my King, and to be my gatekeeper. In Jesus' name. Father, we just, we understand, Lord, that as believers, it takes time to become true disciples. And I thank you, God, that you are patient. I thank you, Father, that you are endless with compassion. I thank you that you decided to call yourself comforter so that because there would be comfort that came from you that we can't even comprehend. And so, God, I pray that as we make these steps and we give our voice to you now and we cry out who you truly are and we proclaim one final time today about who you are, God, I pray that we would be stirred by the glory that we get to give to you, the God that understands, that is patient, that is comforting, that is kind, that is long-suffering that gives us joy, that gives us peace. Father, this is the God that we get to praise. This is the God that we get to trust. This is the God that we get to honor all the days of our life until you take us home to be with you. I thank you, God, that we get to serve a living, breathing God. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. All right, team. So church, if you would stand with me. I just felt that it was important that we... (laughs) That we got that on tape for all of time. I'm going to trust you're okay. We're just okay. okay. <laughs> but I felt that it was important that we have a chance to worshipfully respond to the Spirit of God that we heard about today. Sometimes we like hear a message and we leave, and it's like, wow, that was heavy. And sometimes our spirit just needs a chance to give glory. So that's what we're going to do. spoke those words, let there be light, and it was all. And in that same breath, the stars fell in line, with one voice creation cries, you do all things well.
Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Danielle. What an incredible message. What an anointed message. That's your appreciation for Pastor Danielle. You don't preach a, a message like that without it being living it in your heart. I heard things today I've never heard in my life before, and that's the Holy Spirit. This is not a special moment now. This is a sacred moment right now. And I want to encourage you uh, to continue to worship God in your tithes and your offerings. And there's a lot of ways we do this. And there are envelopes on the various tables and velvet cushions around you where your envelopes can be filled out, and they can be deposited into the kiosks at each of the doors. You can get your smartphone out open your camera and point it to the QR code there and it'll lead you to a place where you can give and uh, I wanted to read something to you today and uh, I'd like you to be open to closing the delta with the Holy Spirit in regards to giving and there's a passage here as Jacob has said not everybody has had a good father some people don't know their fathers there's a lot of different experiences with fathers, but there is a father that we all have and the world can have and has. And I want to read out of 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. I don't normally take this kind of time, but in, in view of this message today, this is, this is the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance, now listen to this, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, and I love this, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And verse 6 ends, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. This is a father that we, the whole world can have, but the whole world doesn't know about. And what we're about to do now with our giving can change that, can bring this loving father, can bring this loving son, and can bring the power of the counselor and the advocate of the Holy Spirit into their lives and make it a reality. So let's pray right now that that's what happens and that the Holy Spirit can close any deltas that exist. And for those of us who are givers, that we can even increase our strategic giving as the Holy Spirit shows us. Father, we thank you for this offering. We thank you for the power of the finances in regards to our giving and what it can produce. Not only can it lead people to Jesus Christ, but it can lead people to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless this offering mightily. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I just want to thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being supportive. 
Thank you for uh, looking me in the eye when I shared. It means a great deal because um, in today's world, church can be such a non-thing. And you made it a priority today. And I pray that when you go, that you realize that the Lord made it a priority for him that you were here. And so I send you with love. I send you with more prayer than you realize is given in your behalf. And most importantly, I give you the food truck. Go enjoy. Happy Father's Day. Beautiful day, guys.